You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Welcome inside to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have a very special and unique guest. Today, we have Joe Rinaldi. Joe, welcome in. Chase, thank you so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm very excited for our conversation. Okay. So Joe and I actually were connected through a mutual friend, uh, Jack Deloach. And uh, Jack kind of gave me a little bit of background about you, and I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast. So why don't you tell people a little bit more about yourself, because you have a pretty unique story. Sure. I'll give you the elevator pitch. And then if we want to dig in anywhere specific, we can go deeper. But uh, my name is Joe Rinaldi. I'm 27 years old and I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with my wife. We are both doctors of physical therapy. However, uh, we practice in very different ways. My wife works in a hospital here in Philadelphia, and I actually practice mostly online. And uh, that's something we can get into. But I think to take it back to childhood, I was always active, athletic, played a lot of sports, uh, did that whole thing growing up, went to college, walked onto the football team in college, um, and had to stop playing eventually because of my eyes. And so that's really the defining thing that's, um, that's, that's just been in my life. And uh, I'm losing my eyesight due to a genetic condition. It's called best disease and it's been affecting me since I was 10. And so over the past 17 years, I've lost eyesight progressively. And currently I'm legally blind in my right eye. My left eye is pretty good. So with both eyes open, I can do pretty much anything except maybe hit a baseball. And, uh, and that's where I am today. And I'm really grateful for it. And that surprises a lot of people, but, uh, something that I could definitely explain if you want me to. Yeah. Go a little bit more into it. Cause I was reading, um, before the podcast, a little bit on your website, but you know, I think we could go a whole lot more in depth about this. Sure. Yeah. So I started losing my eyesight when I was 10, I woke up one morning and I just couldn't see out of my right eye. And, uh, overnight my world changed, you know? In an instant, school, sports, relationships, and just about everything else became more challenging. And when I was a kid, that caused me to be anxious. Uh, I lacked confidence. I was afraid of what the future held because I didn't know what was going to happen every day when I opened my eyes. And so throughout childhood, I think I, I did my best to avoid standing out. I wanted to be just like everybody else. And so if my parents wanted me to you know, sit in the front of the classroom and ask for extra time on tests, I would tell them I would do that. And then when I got to school, I'd sit in the back and take the test like everybody else because I just I didn't want to be different. And so I had that mentality probably from 10 years old until I was out of college, out of undergrad, to be honest. So 2016, uh, I ended undergrad and I decided I was going to pursue graduate school. And when I went to PT school at Drexel, it was supposed to start in September. And in August of 2016, I had a, a big episode where I lost a big portion of my eyesight. And the way my condition works is that it's just very unpredictable and very random. So I can go three, four or five years without a change in my sight. 
And then all of a sudden I'll wake up one morning and I'll lose a big portion of it. And it just happens like that. And so right before graduate school, I lost a big chunk of sight and I almost didn't go to PT school because of that. And I was very lucky to have my parents who encouraged me to go and not to live my life based on the what if, but to embrace the even if attitude. So instead of what if I go blind and I can't finish school, it became even if I go blind, I will figure it out. And uh, and I, I did. I went to school and school was really challenging for the first year for me. And it wasn't necessarily academically challenging, but it was I was in a new city. I was learning new material. I was dealing with this recent new loss of eyesight and, uh, and I just struggled overall as a human being. And uh, to make a long story short, I met my wife, uh, who at the time was just this girl in my class who I really, I enjoyed spending time with. And as I spent more time with her, I felt better and better. And there was this point where I realized I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And at that point, life just became so much bigger than me. And I realized that while I couldn't change my condition, I could change how I viewed it and how I responded to it. And so I realized that my actions and my perspective were now going to affect her just as much as they were going to affect me. And life became just, it just changed. And it was kind of in that season of life where my condition went from being a burden and it became a blessing. And it became a blessing because just like lifting weights can make us stronger, handling adversity well with the right attitude can make us stronger as human beings. And I truly believe that. And, uh, and I've gained so much from, from my loss of sight that I just wouldn't change it for the world. Okay. Um, so you kind of giving me that rundown kind of makes me understand why you're a motivational speaker, why you do these types of projects. So kind of, you know, you, you went through PT school, you're practicing PT, but when did you kind of start making this type of content, you know, to inspire and kind of uh, motivate others and not view adversity as adversity, but kind of as a, almost a blessing, like you said. Yeah, it's a great question. I had my Instagram account uh, since 2016, I'd say, but from 2016 to 2019, uh, I was really focused on exercise, health, wellness, and physical therapy. And probably the end of 20, or I'd say 2018, 2019, it started to shift a little bit. And I started realizing that I needed to share my story because I, I put out my first ever blog earlier in PT school and people read it. The blog was about my loss of sight and all of the doubts that I had in pursuing PT school. And when I put that out there, I didn't know what to expect, but I had family members, friends, people I hadn't talked to since high school and even complete strangers reach out to me and say that my story and my vulnerability helped them because they realized that they weren't alone in their struggle. And so I just began to notice this theme of, you know, you don't know what people are dealing with on the inside. I was able to put on a brave face for my entire life. And even though I, I lacked confidence and I felt anxious and I didn't feel like myself because of my eyes, nobody else knew that. And so I realized that if I had lived my whole life like that, who knew what everybody else was dealing with? And so I almost felt called at that moment with that realization that I needed to be there for other people and I needed to share more of myself, more of my story, because even if nobody else is losing their sight, everybody's struggling with something. And most of the time, we don't get to see that um, because we get to know people on kind of the surface level. And uh, people might be smiling and happy when they're interacting with us, but on the inside, they might be hurting. And so for me, it was that 2018, 2019 period where things started to shift. 
And I realized I also had this passion for writing and for speaking. And uh, it's really just been such a pleasure and a joy to get to share my story. And, uh, and yeah, it's evolved from there. And I hope it continues to evolve going forward. Right. And uh, I think obviously your, your personality and also your backstory kind of helps, you know, perfectly fit or perfectly fits what you want to do because you're, I mean, for the past seven minutes, you've inspired me. So I feel like, you know, I can totally understand why you would like to do this. So you've been doing, you know, inspirational posts and, you know, kind of life coaching, I guess is a, a good way to say it um, since the, that time. So kind of tell us a little bit about your PT practice. Is that completely online or do you do that? Um, do you have a work in a clinic or what's your deal with that? Of course, I graduated PT school in the spring of 2019. So right after I graduated until earlier this year, I was practicing in a clinic, an outpatient clinic here in Philadelphia. So for about two and a half years, I was at that clinic and it was great. I mean, the first year out of school was before the pandemic and uh, things were smooth. I was falling into a rhythm. I was enjoying the patient population. And uh, I was just really having fun and kind of coming into my own as, as a, an independently practicing physical therapist. And so then the pandemic hit and things really slowed down. And I'm very grateful to have kept my job. But what it meant was, you know, instead of treating patients all day, I was treating one patient with a mask on, not sure of like, you know, how to socially distance or it was a little bit awkward. And then I'd spend three hours cleaning the bathrooms because that's what needed to be done. And we didn't have patients coming in. And so the pandemic really gave me a chance to slow down and reassess what I wanted. And I realized that even though I enjoyed a lot of the parts of practicing as physical therapist in the outpatient setting, there were a lot of things I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy having to always deal with insurance companies and have my plan of care be dictated ultimately by somebody else who was going to pay for it. That wasn't the patient. Uh, I didn't enjoy the high volume of patients that I was seeing. So I was seeing anywhere between two to three, sometimes on occasion, four patients an hour. And, uh, you know, I really love to have one-on-one quality time with people. I love to listen. I feel like listening and being there for people is a super important part of our profession. It's those quote unquote soft skills that actually have very hard consequences that I wasn't able to practice the way I wanted to practice. And so as the pandemic continued to progress and things returned more to a normal pace in the clinic, I just felt this increasing building pressure inside of me that I needed to make a change. And I realized that if I stayed at this clinic for five years and I looked five years down the road, I would not be the person I wanted to be. I wouldn't have the opportunity, the freedom, the flexibility to practice my speaking skills. I wouldn't be able to write as much as I wanted to write. And so all of these things were building up inside of me. And I almost felt like I was at the edge of a diving board ready to jump into the pool, but it was a really tall diving board and I was hesitating at the edge. And I was lucky enough to have friends in my corner, both in the physical therapy space, but also in just the general health, wellness, and entrepreneurial space who had made that proverbial jump before. They had went from a full-time job to doing their own thing. And the repeated theme throughout all of that was entrepreneurship is the hardest thing you'll do, but it's also the most rewarding and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I heard that enough times where I realized, okay, my coaching business online 
is to a point where it's sustainable and I could make this jump um, with a reasonable amount of risk. And so in July of this year of 2021, I left that clinic, my full-time job, and began practicing completely online. And now what I do online is a mix of my physical therapy knowledge, but it's really heavy in performance. And so what that looks like is somebody might come to me and say, hey, I want to run a marathon or hey, I want to lose 10 pounds and get stronger. Um, and maybe my elbows, you know, bothering me, or maybe my ankles bothering me when I run. Um, can you help me reach these goals? And can you help me work through this injury? And so I get to combine what I consider both ends of the spectrum of rehab on one side and then high end performance on the other side. And I get to do that from my home with the freedom and flexibility to interact with people as much or as little as I feel appropriate. And it's really been such a blessing. Uh, so over the past four or so months, I've been able to build up my client base and I've been able to work with people all over the country and even in other countries. You know, I have clients in Canada, clients in Europe, and it's just really amazing what technology makes possible. And so my practice as it stands is I'd say 95% online. I've got a few in-person clients here in Philadelphia, and then I do practice actually once a week in an outpatient clinic here in Philadelphia. So every Friday, I go into this clinic. It's an insurance-based clinic, but it's one-on-one -on -one care for the entire hour, and I get to treat patients in person in that setting around peers who I can ask questions to, have conversations with, and continue to grow in that way. So what I do right now definitely looks a whole lot different than what I did right out of school. Um, it's harder in a lot of ways, but it's way more rewarding for me. And so when you made that, you finally made that, that jump, you know, kind of leaving your clinic and going into your own practice, what was, obviously it's scary because you're basically leaving a secure financial base, but what were some of the other scary things that you encountered when you finally made that jump and started? Yeah. I think anybody who's made a transition like that <clears throat> and is going to make it public knows that there's a certain level of, um, of consciousness, self-consciousness that comes along with making a change. And so for me, it was, okay, I went to PT school for three years. I got my doctorate degree and then I practiced for two and a half years. And now to a lot of people, it looks like I am just leaving the profession altogether. And so my grandparents are on the older side. They didn't understand. Uh, some of my friends who don't know me as well, they didn't understand. And so you worry a little bit about what if I make this jump and it, it doesn't work. And then I have to go back and then it looks like uh, Joe just, he couldn't make it happen or he made the wrong decision or, or whatnot. And so those thoughts definitely will run through your mind if you're making that switch. Financially, that's definitely the biggest one, at least in my case. And I think what was helpful for me is I realized I was willing to take away my safety net at the bottom if I could also remove the ceiling at the top. And so for me, working that PT job, the salaried PT job was great because you get a stable, steady salary, but your earning potential is capped. And so the thing that I love in uh, being an entrepreneur is Yes, I can lose three clients on the 31st of the month and be, you know, hit hard financially the next month. And that's happened. But I can also go out and make as much money as I want on any given day. And that's completely in my hands. And so there's a stress that comes along with 
complete ownership of something. And so, yes, that part is stressful, not knowing what's going to happen financially from month to month. There are things you can do to decrease your risk and increase security. But at the same time, you're also depending on other people and things happen. You know, people lose jobs, life events happen, people get sick. And so you have to figure out how you can diversify enough and, and keep yourself stable enough from month to month not to have to worry so much financially. That's been a challenge. And and the other biggest, I'd say, scary thing is just the emotional swings that come with entrepreneurship. There are days where you are on top of the world, like the highest highs you can think of. And then the next day you feel like you got run over by a semi-truck and you just have to get back up and keep going and understand that that's part of the process. So through it all, I feel like I've learned this valuable skill and I'm still learning this valuable skill of remaining steady in the middle of those oscillating emotions and not acting based off of emotion, but acting based off of principle and letting the emotions do what they want, but always coming back to the middle. And uh, it's been a, it's been a great ride so far. Yeah. That, that not riding the highs too high, not riding the lows too low is definitely one of the most difficult things I think in any profession or any, any walk of life. So you talked about, you know, you could lose three clients in one day, but the next day you can go get five. So you don't have to give away all your business secrets, but kind of how do you go about making these connections with clientele? You know, someone that's not had, for me, I've never, I've only worked in an outpatient clinic. So all the patients are referred by doctors or self-referred, but you being an independent, you know, almost contractor, how does that, you know, how are those connections made? That's such a great question. It really, for me, all boils down to social media. And I think the thing about social media, and I'll just talk about Instagram specifically because that's where a lot of my attention and focus is, is that it can be used as a great tool for business, for connection, for networking, but it can also be the biggest distraction and a huge detriment at the same time. And so it's this fine line of using it intentionally and not getting sucked into the rabbit hole. And I will say I'm still learning. I think everybody who uses social media is still trying to navigate um, those two spaces. But for me, it's really been this um, act of just showing up consistently on social media building a following, making connections. If anybody wants to talk, like I'll talk, you know, if somebody reaches out to me who just started following me and, you know, I can't get anything in return, but they want to ask me a question, like, yeah, I'll hop on a phone call. It might not be the same day, but I'm going to make it happen because I've been in that position where I've wanted to connect with other people and ask questions and learn and grow. And so I, I've been doing that for other people, giving away free value and just showing my life, being authentic. And it really boils down to the fact, you know, why do you trust the celebrity that you trust, right? So I'm a huge Will Smith fan. And why do I trust Will Smith? It's because one, I respect and appreciate who he is and what he stands for. But also I've seen it. I've spent probably a hundred hours with Will Smith between watching his interviews, watching his movies, reading what he's written. And so I, I understand that I trust people who I've spent time with, and I realize that if I want other people to trust me, I have to consistently show up and let people spend time with me. And so that's why I feel that content creation, my writing, my speaking, YouTube videos, podcasts, my Instagram, that's all helping me grow my business because the more often that people can see me, trust me and know me, the more likely they are to reach out for coaching. And what I will say is it's amazing. I have been coaching now um, for three years, even though I'd say this past four or five months has really been the first full-time stretch of that. 
Um, it's amazing. I've had people follow me for all three years and I'll post about coaching on my story and they'll reach out and say, oh, I didn't know you did coaching. And I have literally posted 200 times about it already. And uh, so it just takes consistency and showing up and letting people trust you, adding free value. And then, um, yeah, and then seeing how you can help people because I'll say, uh, I was rigid in my approach to coaching in the beginning about three years ago when I started. And then I started to realize that, you know, everybody needs something a little bit different. And when you're listening to somebody on the phone or through a zoom call or in person, my main job is to actually hear what they're saying. Like not, not just to listen to their words, but to hear their message. And I think a lot of times people come to me, whether it's for life coaching or for strength coaching or endurance coaching, and they might say like, I want to be stronger, or they might say, I want to grow my business. Or they might say, I want to run further and run faster. But there's usually a layer that's deeper than that. Maybe they want to get stronger because they want to feel more confident. Or maybe they want to run further because they want to be proud of themselves or they want to accomplish something that other people can see visibly. Um, and so I try to really listen for that deeper layer. And I think when it comes to those interactions of people who are interested in working with me, my job and a lot of my success has come with really being able to connect with people on that deeper level. So I wanted to kind of go back to something you said about, you know, being there and showing up and being consistent. I've seen some of your stories and you'll post, you know, your schedule and it's a very like it's a Google calendar of your hour by hour um, day. So, I mean, obviously, besides planning, how do you stay consistent with, you know, writing a blog, doing it? I think you have two podcasts and also doing social media content. Uh -huh. And then also on top of that, you know, just doing the coaching work, which all of it is, you know, made for. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I really fully know, but I think, uh, for, for me being consistent is it's, it's in my blood. I mean, I love routine. I love structure sometimes to a fault. I think one word that could describe me more so in the past, but maybe a little bit now is rigid. And so I love having that schedule, that structure, and that helps me stay consistent. I don't necessarily feel like it's been a fulfilling day if I, if I'm not consistent with what I said I was going to do. And I think consistency goes for me beyond just the schedule and the action, but it's really what I'm striving for is consistency between what I say I'm going to do and what I actually do. And so that's where the calendar, the schedule comes into play for me is right. That's a way for me to sit down and say on paper this week, I'm going to accomplish X, Y, and Z, or maybe not even accomplish, but I'm going to put this amount of energy toward a blog and this amount of time toward a podcast. And then when I actually get to that day of the week, it's a challenge to stay on task, to stay focused and to match my actions with my intentions. And I've just come to realize how important consistency is for me and, uh, and for others and just for anything we want to do in the world because consistency compounds. And so I love analogies. I love quotes. And one that really um, resonates with me when it comes to consistency and persistence is just if you think of a river, right, and it cuts through rock over time it's not the power of the river that's cutting through the rock. It's the consistency with which the water's moving in the same direction over time. So I believe the exact quote from James Watkins is, a river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. And for me, consistency is so important because of that fact. And uh, I don't know, I just can't, can't live without it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I'm also rigid to a fault, 
you know, I try to do, you know, set myself goals that I know I can do over and over and over because I think that's so fulfilling to be able to say I've done this same thing for such a long period of time, mm. you know, without without missing it for a single day. So I kind of wanted to go a little bit more into the content you make. So you said that you have two podcasts. Kind of give us a little bit of, you know, elevator pitch on both of those. Sure. So the two podcasts are the Pursuit Podcast and the Project Endure Podcast. The Pursuit Podcast has been around for just over a year. I co-host it with my friend, Sam Tooley. Uh, It is called the Pursuit Podcast because we're really interested in people who are performing at a high level. We want to know what they're pursuing, why they're pursuing it, and how they're pursuing it. So we really want to draw out of people kind of the habits and the steps that they're taking to get to where they want to be. And uh, the conversation's free-flowing. It's pretty casual. We have some fun. We have a lot of laughs, but we also... Um, touch on a lot of important topics. And we've had people talk about near-death experiences. We've had people talk about building million-dollar businesses and losing million-dollar businesses. We've had people talk about basically anything you can think of. And, uh, And the thing that is so fulfilling to me about that podcast is that I think anybody can listen to that podcast, no matter what stage of life they're in or what they're doing, and gain some perspective that's applicable to their life. So that's that podcast. We release a new episode every Wednesday. And then the newer podcast is called the Project Endure Podcast. And the goal of that podcast is to really talk about hard things and help people realize that whatever it is they're struggling with, they're not alone. And really what I I hope for that podcast is that I can get guests who want to be vulnerable and share their stories, share their struggles, but also help people understand how they got through those dark times, through those hard times. And so there's four questions we really try to answer. It's what is the hardest thing you've ever had to handle? What is the hardest thing that you've ever done on purpose? What does the word endurance mean to you? And what would you tell somebody right now who's going through a really dark and hard time? And uh, I've recorded eight episodes. Only three have been released so far, but they'll come out every Monday. And out of the eight episodes, five guests have cried on the podcast. So I think I'm doing something right. Uh, But those, yeah, those are the two podcasts. Yeah. And so I wanted to go a little bit because I actually, when I first found your page, I, I think it was like the first episode of the Project Endure podcast. And you have this quote called, do hard things. So kind of where that did that all start? Because I really liked that it's so simple, but it actually is like, it makes sense. If you do hard things, you could probably better yourself in some sort of way. Yeah. It's, you know, it started for me with fitness. I was in the gym from 13, 14 years old, uh, up until today. It's still something I do on a daily basis. i probably too much. You know, I I haven't learned my lesson yet, but I I'm in the gym probably six days a week because I just love it so much. And I think the thing about fitness that's so fascinating to me is that it's not really physical after a certain point. Fitness for me is a way to show up, get to that point where your body wants to stop again, not all the time. You don't want to overtrain. I get it. You know, I have that background you do as well, but get to that point where things are hard, where you want to stop. And then you have the opportunity to, to walk intentionally into your internal negotiation because we all have that internal negotiation between the part of us that wants to take the easy way out and the part of us that wants to do the hard thing. And when you get into that internal negotiation, it's a chance to, to tap into that other person, the other person who could do more, 
who could give more and who could be more. And so for me, doing hard things on purpose is really about stepping into that negotiation and then choosing to be the person that could do more, who could give more, who could be more. Because the more often we can do that, whether it's with fitness or whether it's taking cold showers in my case as well, (laughs) or getting up at four o'clock in the morning, when we do those hard things on a consistent basis and we tap into that other person, we become that other person. And that person is really, to me, that's our full potential is when we can be completely that person who can say, I don't feel like doing this right now, but I know that I need to, or I know it's going to help me, or I know it's going to help someone else. So I'm going to do the hard thing because I know it's the right thing. And uh, to me, that's what it's all about. Right. And I saw, I saw that quote and I, I thought it was, I thought it was great because, you know, it's, it's always easier to roll over and turn off the alarm clock and go back to bed. But instead of going up and getting up and running or going to the gym or getting up to study earlier or anything like that. Um, so I really, you know, resonated with that quote as well. All right. So since this podcast is, you know, a physical therapy uh, based podcast. So what do you do to kind of personally connect with all of your patients, especially since you are essentially telehealth? You I mean, you have a couple of in-person clients, um, but most of the time you're doing online coaching. So how do you connect and have that, you know, personal touch when you're over a computer screen, over a phone screen, or over a text message. Yeah, it could definitely be more challenging when you're doing it virtually. But I think for me, it comes down to the same principle of you want to hear people. You don't want to just listen. And so for me, what that means is whether it's a Zoom call, whether it's in person, whether it's a phone call or a text message, I'm really trying to understand what the person's trying to tell me. And that comes with practice, comes with experience. And what I'll say as as a good example for people who are in the clinic when you're practicing, every single evaluation that I have in person or online, I want to get to know that person as a person before I get to know what they're coming to me for as a problem. And so in the clinic, you know, right out of school, my first couple patients, the question was, tell me something about yourself that's not related to physical therapy. And I get one of two responses. People are either all in and they say, yeah, I love to garden. I love to read. I love to cook. Or people kind of like look at me and raise an eyebrow and be like, but I'm here for my knee. And, uh, and I say, I, I know, and we'll get to that, but tell me something about you. You know, what do you like to do? You know, where are you from? And we get into that conversation and I'd say 99 times out of a hundred, it always leads back to what they're coming in for anyway. And it all comes down to that fact of, okay, you want to come here because you're in knee pain. I don't believe your pain is the reason you're here. I believe the reason you're here is that your pain is stopping you from doing what you want to do and being who you want to be. And so if I could understand that and display to you that I understand that, I can now make our intervention and everything we do more meaningful and personalized to you. And that's going to result in better outcomes along with just a better relationship between the two of us. So that's really how I approach it. And it's, uh, it's, I would call it definitely more of an art than a science and it doesn't always work exactly how you want it to work. But I think for me, it's just, it's, it's knowing the person first and then addressing the problem. And I think that that or that question that you always ask is a soft skill, quote unquote, like we talked about earlier. But that is honestly from my, you know, in my short career, that soft skill is probably one of the hardest things to do, because I found that physical therapy is a lot more therapy sometimes than physical therapy. Sometimes people, you know, I had a patient recently, she hadn't been heard on her entire medical journey. And all it took was me asking, like, how are you doing today? Like, not your foot, but how are you doing as a person today? 
And she like that's completely, I think, you know, was a turning point in her rehab process. And she started to, you know, she felt cared and heard for. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, PT school does a great job of teaching you interventions, diagnosis, but, you know, it's hard to teach that quote unquote soft skill. That's really hard to do. All right. So one last question for you, Joe, before we get you out of here. Um, do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs that, you know, might want to do what you do in an online coaching space? I would say to start building your personal brand. Like I said, um, people really trust people who they get to spend time with and who they feel like they know. And that comes with sharing the good days and the bad days and everything in between. It means being authentic uh, and it means showing up. And so to me, social media is really just a digital representation of who you are. And there are pros and cons to that because that means a lot of people are putting out only the good stuff. They're making their lives uh, seem a little bit better than they are, or maybe they're just hiding parts of who they are on social media. But what I would say is put yourself out there on social media, be who you are, connect with the people who want to connect, and just pave your way through building a personal brand. Um, I look at it this way, you know, if you were to go hire somebody or you were to go connect with somebody and you Googled their name or you looked on Facebook or you looked on Instagram and you couldn't find anything about that person online, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have Instagram, they didn't have anything else, you'd probably be a little skeptical because in this day and age, that's where everybody is and that's where people get to know you first in the online space. So I'd say build your personal brand and make intentional connections with anybody who wants to connect and reach out to people who you want to connect with. Because if you don't shoot your shot, it's never going to happen. And I would say more often than not, people in this space are very willing to connect with other people in the space. Yeah. And I think you are kind of like a prime example of that. I've reached out to so many people and I've got a lot, a lot of no's or a lot of no responses, but I have had also had a lot of great people that are willing to take you know, time after a busy work day to kind of just chat with me um, on this podcast. Um, and with that being said, Joe, you have been like a fantastic guest. I feel motivated. I went for a run earlier, but I'm ready to go for another run <laughs> after listening to you. Um, so I know you have a lot of social media, so kind of tell people where they can find your work and, you know, your po uh, podcasts and blogs and everything else in between. Sure. So my Instagram is probably the best place to go. It's Joe A. Rinaldi. And if you go to my Instagram, the link in the bio very clearly lays out where you can find the podcast, the newsletter, the blog, et cetera. So I'd say just go to Instagram and anybody who's listening, if you do want to connect, please reach out. I would love that. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. All right. Perfect. Joe, again, thank you so much for, um, for coming on. And I'm very glad that we got connected through Jack. And this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Huge shout out to Joe Rinaldi for being one of the most unique guests on the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you liked what you heard today or want to hear from more great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.